Hello, hello. Welcome yet again to another episode of Casual Cognition. Today, we're going to get into some numbers. We're going to talk, not really. I mean, you know, you know the show by now if you've been listening in. Today, we got statistics, studies, and we're going to wrap it up with the Pareto Principle, otherwise known as the 80-20 Rule. Once again, you are tuned into Casual Cognition, and we appreciate your attention. Please enjoy the show. And there we go. Ripping. We're going. This is a this is the first time we've actually managed to get the video going. So, to our dear listeners, you may be able to see some video here soon. We may be we may be getting on YouTube here soon. I finally figured out my the tech funny, shit. The funny thing about this is I've we have uttered these exact words at least once before and maybe twice. It's possible. But now I think it's real. Now, now I think it's truly. It's really coming Things true. Things are getting real. <laughs> oh man! Well, so we figured uh, we figured out our exciting. shit. We figured out our shit through, um, partially through streaming. Yeah, and that's it's actually uh, one thing that's it's very interesting. You bring that up because yeah, I mean we've been kind of working on this together a bit. I've been doing a little bit of streaming music stuff, and we're actually going to be on a live stream podcast yeah uh this month by the time people hear it, it yeah will be i'm gonna i'm gonna this put this month. one out on tuesday so it will be let's see here it'll be like a couple of weeks a week or two yeah august 13th yeah the 13th all right At so if anybody's interested Eastern. in checking that out well what time 2 p.m or sorry i think it's 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m my time Nice. So it's on We Speak English Good, yeah, which is a Twitch live stream podcast. It's also it's also on um, just regular audio on all the all the various podcasting platforms. It's a fun one. It's a music podcast primarily, but um, yeah. So it'll it's going to be a good time. But yeah, um, that, I'm really I'm really excited about that. Like we we talked about it a little bit before and. Like just the experience of like just sitting back and letting letting the host carry carry us away instead Not having of to us do quite as much work. making the shots. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to edit it. We don't have to uh, you know do. We, we can just we can just uh, you know sit back and be long for the ride, right? That's right. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. But for now. Let's get into our podcast. Oh yeah, baby! This is a this is a cool one. Um, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I I wish I had more like actual numbers. But I was thinking about it. Like people probably don't want to hear fucking tons of numbers. But we are going to be talking about numbers and their usage, specifically in statistical analyses, as well as. Um, What's the what's the principle that you that you I keep forgetting what it is. The Pareto principle, also known as the eighty twenty rule, which 
I I thought everybody just knew about this because no. it's a, it's such a buzzword these days, or it was for a while. But this it's it's super super valuable and important. Um, it's kind of like a it's like a rule of thumb almost. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I'll I'll break it down for yeah. all of our lovely listeners. Yeah. So we'll start off with statistical analysis, and I want to I want to branch out into a few other things. within this topic because I think it's really important these days because with the um, with the advent of the internet and really like not just the internet but it's prolification throughout the world where the I think it's I think it's up to like half the world or more like two-thirds of the world or something like that is has at least access to the internet if not like like having a computer they'll have a phone or they'll have like a public uh online you know cafe or something like that and um so now what that causes is that everybody is capable of looking up information on anything at any point in time which is great in a lot of circumstances, but it does lead to some problems because we weren't exactly educated with that in mind, most of us. No. Um, in fact, we were educated with the opposite in mind, that that would never happen, <laughs> literally. like our, Right. Our teachers used to, used to make us, used to like basically tell us like, oh yeah, you can't, you can't, you can only use a limited amount of online sources. That's what I used to be told. You can use three online sources, and the rest of your sources have to be out of books or encyclopedias. So for, for those of our listeners who don't know what a book is, <laughs> that's what uh, we used to write down information on and store on paper, actually, like ink printed on paper or even <laughs> written on paper to make a book. Um, you bind those sheets together, and they... Uh, and then you read it. It's yeah. a very fascinating technology. And encyclopedias used to be printed on those things instead of in wiki Archaic. articles. Yeah it's, yeah, it's basically like reading a stone tablet at this point. I mean, who reads books? <laughs> we listen to books these days. Um, I, I do have to say that I love reading a good, a good physical book. I, I like listening to some stuff as well, but... There is something very special about the the experience, the, the the smell of the book, the turning of the pages, stuff like that. I feel like, but it really depends. I would, I would more like to be thought of as a man who reads books than I actually like to read books. <laughs> now I listen to shitloads of books. I mean, I do like technically read. I ingest books all the time. Uh, my Audible library has hundreds of books in it, but that's... But you just don't know how to read? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm basically illiterate. I, I, honestly, I just... Um, one of my problems is I get sleepy. I have a sleeping disorder, which mm. makes me very tired whenever I'm, like, sitting still and, and, like, doing nothing. Like, movies are hard for me. I can't sit through movies for too long without re- getting real drowsy. Oh, that's so interesting. I have the opposite thing where, like, 
I cannot fall asleep if a movie is playing. Oh, really? I, it doesn't matter. I won't. I will not sleep until the movie is done and the TV is turned off. It's just like I, I don't know why, but there's been some great movies problem. that I've just been like, must stay awake, want to watch movie. <laughs> it's a it's a blessing and a curse, but um. Bro, what were we even talking about? Oh yeah, statistical, <laughs> statistical Books. analyses, aka how to make anyone believe that anything you say is true via the manipulation of numbers. Yes, and I also want to get into studies too. But those yeah, are kind of I wanted to bring that up also. Yeah, I want to get into that too. But so the, my point in all this being that. Our teachers, whenever we were growing up, they they did not realize that the the collective knowledge of mankind would be freely available to anybody in their pocket at any point in time, pretty much. And what that leads to is that everybody has their own reality that they're living in right now. Like, it used to be like, oh, what is the answer to this question? And you could look it up in some sort of thing and there would be a collective consensus from whatever expert community and generally people would say okay well that's probably right because um how the fuck do i know anything else and you know once again this is a double-edged sword because there's a lot of bullshit out there that used to be considered fact because there was a consensus on it and there was no real reason way to to check it against other potential sources but nowadays, it's just truth is subjective, essentially, to people who are um, avid Internet users. And almost anything, I mean, this doesn't apply to like, okay, if like if you're looking at like a fruit bat or something and you're and you're looking at like, you know, how many calories in a day does the average fruit bat ingest? You're probably not going to have, like, you know, somebody trying to manipulate your opinion on that particular factoid. But anything that has to do with human health, anything that has to do with politics or economics, anything that has to do with religion, anything that has to do with cultures, you can find opposing sets of facts on. And it can be very difficult to figure out, like, okay, well, who who has the the better set of facts here? Who's right? What is true in this situation? And I've been running into this problem more and more over the years where I'm, I genuinely have a challenging time figuring out these two people who are both, like, seem to be, like, know what they're talking about on this subject and have a background in the subject and they have completely opposite views or um, I don't even want to call them opinions because a lot of times they'll just claim completely different facts and realities. And Yeah, they're using a different set of facts to support their arguments. Yeah. And I think that's one of the the main issues with this is like the cherry-picking of data, right? Yes. Like that's super common in all of this kind of thing where people are only looking at the data that supports their argument rather than 
trying to take in the whole thing in the search of like what is actually what are the facts here what is actually going on yeah and that's called confirmation bias oh i did want to put in some nomenclature here because um methodology statistical analysis studies all this stuff has a lot of nomenclature that is useful to to learn and confirmation bias is one of the most useful i think because everybody does it it's 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 actually yep. something you something you have to actively fight against in order to not do because it's it will be what you naturally tend towards and if you've if you've tried to figure out a factor or look into one of your opinions it's basically guaranteed that you've engaged in this type of um uh what do we call it maybe searching or research um confirmation bias and i know i have and yeah it's it's something that both conspiracy theorists and skeptics alike fall prey to really which bad. is this thing where it's like they know what's happening and then they see and it's made worse by social media actually right because we're in these bubbles where it's just trying to show us things that we already believe and confirm our own yeah we, we talked about this a little bit before which is totally fucked up but basically like so they'll see something again this is the same for skeptics and conspiracy theorists for everybody the whole spectrum will see something that is um, somehow leading towards our conclusion. And we'll go, see, look, Bill Gates is a pedophile. Or like, see, look, <laughs> religion is is fake news because obviously, uh, you know, the whole creation myth or whatever. It's like, so see, look, religion's bullshit, right? And it's like, it's just, it's... It's it's a it's something to to be aware of, you know, because it's also we have this other thing where we're filtering out the information that goes against what our beliefs are. Yeah. And there's another that's another bias. I forget what it's called, but it's basically the opposite of confirmation bias where it's just the, like the other side of the coin. Yeah, it's like the you know, you just have the blinders on and then you only see look, I'm right. See, look, I'm right. Mm -hmm. See, I'm totally right. You know that kind of yeah, that kind of thing. And this is actually a good method uh, that I usually use to try and avoid that confirmation bias. Especially if you're like if you're googling something, like look at your search terms. And you know, if if I'm oh, gonna yeah, if I'm gonna look at best. a fact, I mean, what I'm gonna look at is I'm going to look at I'm going to type my fact that I believe is true into the search bar. Right. And then you're going to obviously that's that's an easy way to fall into the confirmation bias. Because yeah, those search why... results are going to show you things that that show that to be the the case. So Exactly. Take your search term and then try and turn it into the negative. So if you're looking at why religion is bullshit, then turn it on its head. Um, what are, you know? Look up like the positives of religion on humanity, or look up, um, you know, people's stories of religion and what it's done in their lives and things like that. And so, like, take take the opposite view, argue with yourself in this way, and um, 
is one of my favorite quotes. The uh, the Mark, or sorry, the uh, I'm going to paraphr- paraphrase a tad. The ability to hold two opposing views in one's mind at the same time and not go mad is the mark of a first-rate intelligence. Mm. And I think that what that is is really just like the ability to challenge your own opinions. And that is so important and is not educated enough into children, at least not in the U.S., and it's clearly lacking in the internet space because everybody's a mm. fucking armchair expert these days. Everybody knows exactly what the truth is, and nobody agrees. Yeah, but I think, you know, the, the reason why nobody is doing that is because very few people are actually in pursuit of, of the what truth. is true. That's yeah, a good like point. most people are actually just looking for just cuz it's it's so much easier to think that you know what's going on and to just believe that and to just go with that. It's so much simpler to live like that in a way, but it's also super fucked up because you have all this cognitive dissonance and you're just like it's just like a total ego trip and it kind of brings me to like so to me i mean again it comes back to like intention right and that was something i joked about it a little bit like uh statistical analysis also known as how to make people believe that what you're saying is true by manipulating numbers and like that's a little bit it's a little snarky. Um, I'm being maybe a little a little facetious perhaps, but but again the in- intention is a super important thing. Like what what are they what what is the intention behind this analysis? And like I, I just want to give an example of how this can be done, like a very simple example, just so people kind of understand where where I'm coming at from this. Um so it's something to be aware of, and it, and it kind of segues into this conversation around um, studies and how to digest them and understand what's actually valuable from the study rather than just reading the abstract and thinking that you know that it, that's the facts, right? So um, let's take just like a super simple example. So uh, I'm doing a statistical analysis and I'm looking at uh, the the city of New York, and what I found was that during during these I'm looking at a, a set of data during these three months. I found that the murder rate was going up drastically during these three months, and I also found that ice cream sales went up the same amount. So we can obviously conclude that ice cream sales are leading to increased murder rates. Okay? I mean, so seems you definitely to me. shouldn't buy ice cream and you should buy my boba tea instead or whatever the fuck bullshit, right? And what what is not stated 
is that this is fucking summer. Okay, it's summertime, and, and the murder the temperature rate goes is up going way up in the summer. It goes up because it's so fucking hot, and people are so packed in like sardines that there's it just it's just what happens. Well, they're every also not freezing every... their fucking balls off. That's another reason why yeah, why the murder rate goes up in the summertime because in the wintertime people are sheltering more. Yeah, that's true. But also, there is definitely something with the heat oh, and dude. aggression and like. When I used getting, to work, you solar, know, when you're sweating your balls off. When I used you're, to, you're gonna. It's way easier to get pissed off. When, when I used to work solar in Phoenix, Arizona, working on rooftops that were fucking 135 degrees. We used to tell. We used to have a saying that said, "When the temper temperatures rise, the tempers rise." Yeah, and that's completely the case. And so, so the whole point of this is like, you know, you can create a statistical analysis and show that due to increased ice cream sales, there's a increased murder rate, but that's bullshit. Like there's, and that's, and this is where it becomes important where you need to understand correlation and causation. Yeah. I was actually about to, about to mention right? that term. So those things are correlated but there's no causation. There's no direct link. Actually, the direct link, the causation, is coming from the temperature. Yeah. Like temperature, there's causation between the temperature and ice cream sales and temperature and murder rates. Uh, and that's the factor that is causing these rates to change, right? But you can... And this is the thing with correlation, like, but you can easily just, you can just not mention that when you're a, a lemonade stand or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you're trying to get your, and, and this kind of shit happens so much in industry. It's insane. Oh yeah. And this is the problem going into the thing with studies, right? So you have, we talked about this a little bit, but you have these, these warring clans of like vegans <laughs> uh, versus, uh, for one example, like carnivores, carnivore people. And all of them, or not all of them, many of them, maybe the ones that are like a little bit more into the numbers and stuff, they're citing all of these different studies. Well, yeah, look, this study showed that meat gives you cancer. And then, you know, all these different studies, all these different studies, and each side has their own studies and shows, see, look, I'm right. And I'm, and they don't even, they're not even going to look at the, or maybe they'll look at the other studies and then show why those are wrong. But the thing is, is like what people don't understand is so many of these studies are just, they're funded by the industry. They're funded by, they're, they're not unbiased. They're getting funded so that the industry can profit from the results that they find. So they're inherently biased. And like you can actually see if you look at some of these, it's like, oh yeah, well, this vegan study was funded by the fucking soy industry. And this meat and milk thing was was funded by the dairy industry. And it's like it is important to I mean not that doesn't mean that it's complete bullshit you yes. can't throw everything out just because there's a bias but it needs to be known and understood that there is an inherent bias in these studies and to look at the how the study was actually 
um, how it was done. Is it gold? Was it the gold standard? Was it uh, double blind, double randomized blind, trials? Randomized trials with large sample sizes is the gold standard. With large sample size, <laughs> or was it just epidemi epidemiology with like rampant um, confounding factors that just completely make the data basically worthless? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. Yeah, and, and I I have had people pull this bullshit on me where they're like, "Oh, that study was funded by the such and such. How can you how can you believe that?" And it's like, well, because it's a fucking gold standard study. I mean, you can yeah, it was funded by a seemingly biased source, but the methodology is super solid. So, I mean, what do you think they just paid to change the results? Which that. That's when, like, people have it in their minds. Everybody's got a little conspiracy theorist in them. So people have it in their minds that it's just, like, a matter of course that institutions will, like, bribe scientists in order to change results. And there's examples of that happening in history, but it's extremely rare. That's not something that happens a lot. And if a study has really good methodology, generally speaking... You can trust it, even if it's funded by a biased source. Now, once again, if it even if it does have really good methodology, and researchers will say this ad nauseum, which is even more annoying because no one ever listens, even super high quality studies very rarely give a an absolutely conclusive result because that's just the nature of science. It's really hard. To give, and most of the time, these studies, whenever they, if you're doing a double blind randomized trial with a large sample size, it's probably because the question is not that easy to answer. You know, it's it's gonna be like, what are the effects of two parent homes versus one parent homes? Okay, well, that's a fucking... Uh, you could have a very good method- methodological study there and still end up with a lot of ambiguity because there's a million examples out there of kids who are doing great in single-parent homes and a million examples out there of kids who are doing really bad in two-parent homes and then also vice versa. So you may have like a statistical trend that shows that two parents is better than one parent, but there's all sorts of counterexamples. And it's because it's a complicated question, it's a very difficult issue. So there's there's a lot of things like that where even if you do have a solid study to back you up, you should keep a little bit of ambiguity in your opinions and a little nuance in in what yeah. you what you're purporting instead of saying like, oh yeah, two parent homes are always better than one parent homes. Like that's a stupid thing to say. Yeah, and it's like what are you measuring? How about like be specific <laughs> in point. what they're better what are the, at? Right? What are the parameters like, for the health of the child? <laughs> exactly, and and this is one thing that I have to I got to go back to the nutrition thing because this just fucking grinds my gears, man. It seriously grinds my gears. Uh, like this is one thing that I have to say that this isn't really ever talked about that I've heard, other than um, actually. I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Paul Check to for um, pointing me to this book 
called Biochemical Individuality. And basically, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but the problem with these studies is they're trying to come up with a like one fits all solution to what humans need for nutrition when we are so insanely different on a biochemical level it's it's ridiculous there are so many factors genes being a huge genes and epigenes being a huge predictor of what kind of foods we should be eating and are healthy for us based on our ancestry so there's a just as a quick example and this to me it just makes perfect sense it just it's so obvious you know we, we were talking about epigenes earlier and and to me this is just completely obvious like as a general rule we can break down human beings and their dietary needs into three different types there's polar types so people with ancestry who are around closer to the poles there's mixed which is like in the middle and then equatorial which is people who are closer to the equator and it's like it's just very simple and this is a starting point because there's still so much individuality even with this this is just a starting point but it's like generally speaking polar types need more fat and protein and less carbs and equatorial types need more carbs and it's like dude it's so obvious to me because if we're looking back in history and prehistory hundreds of thousands of years human beings have been around if my entire line of ancestors comes from polynesia where there's always fruit and vegetables growing always period i am going to adapt to be able to consume more carbohydrates yeah. and be better at at um digesting you don't have to worry about uh, like fructose. seasonal harvests of exactly and nuts and, and this is even like we're going we're going way yeah yeah i see what you mean like the, and because this is before agriculture right yeah. so this is like okay before agriculture if you're living in fucking sweden in the winter what are you gonna eat you only meat basically only meat you are literally only going to eat meat and then in the summer you're going to be eating a lot of berries and leafy mushrooms. greens and tubers and uh yeah mushrooms into the fall a bit as well and so so you've got like to me four it's or like, five months of high carb high fiber diet and then probably s seven or eight months of mostly meat if not exclusively yeah, and so meat. you have this cyclical diet right which is another thing. And like, so to me, to say that, oh yeah, we know what everybody should be eating based on this study. It's like, you're using an average person that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like the average person does not exist. So this is the thing that frustrates me so much is like, when you take a study and you have thousands of different people from all over the place, and it's like, of course it's not gonna be conclusive. Yeah. Like you, you're not gonna get something super conclusive from that, and and we need to understand that we are all individuals, and we all process foods in different ways. We the, it's biochemical individuality, and to me, it's like that is so so important, and it's just not being talked about. It's just like 
well, here's this study that shows that meat gave you cancer. And it's like, well, what kind of meat were they eating? And what kind of people were eating it? Oh, well, they were just eating fucking McDonald's? That's not meat. Yeah, there was a, there was, this is actually brings up a good thing, a good example of what we were talking about. Because one of the biggest reasons why people started thinking that red meat was bad for you was a huge study that was done, I think it was back in the 70s or the 80s. On, it was like a long-term study over the course of like many people's lives, essentially. Funded by the sugar industry? <laughs> no, th- I, I, can't, I don't know how this was funded, but so the, the, the conclusion of this study was essentially that those who ate red meat were much more likely to develop cancer. Uh, many different types oh, of cancer. Oh, yeah, and this was, this, was ep- this was an epidemiological yes. study, wasn't it? And so the, the big So, issue... by the way, for people who don't know, just real quick, the people who don't know epidemiology, it's like it's based on questionnaires. So you're like so you're you're asking people questions. Yeah, and then they're answering the yeah. questions, which are just super unreliable and they're, it's, they're not, great it's not for a great... like preliminary data points. A lot of times these a lot of times studies Yeah, it's better than nothing. Hilariously, a lot of times Sometimes. the studies that people cite are actually like preliminary studies that are used to build a proper methodological study. And they're they're looking mm-hmm. at like a sample size of like 12 and they're what they're doing is they're they're looking for a direction to go in before they yeah. invest they're trying to figure all out this what money. questions to ask basically. Yeah, because a, a study's like expensive. Like asking the right questions. A good methodological mm. study is a fucking expensive, difficult undertaking. So, a lot of times when you see a study with bad methodology, it's not because of some sort of maliciousness on part of the researchers, it's because they're looking for the right things to look for essentially. The right questions to ask. <clears throat> but anyways, so this study like you said, it was an epi- epidemiological study, self-reported, and the the big, big problem with it was that they didn't control for any kind of lifestyle habits. All they did was yeah. look at people who ate red meat versus people who didn't eat red meat. And this is in the U.S. Yeah, and then you don't... This is the perfect example of the statistics thing, right? Because yeah. you don't know that those people were also more likely to smoke cigarettes and they were more likely to drink booze, and they were less likely to exercise. And it's just like, I mean, come on. Well, think about this. Red meat in America is a staple food. If you're an American and and you specifically don't eat red meat, that means that you're actually controlling your dietary standards. Exactly, you're thinking about what you're eating. Yeah, if you're if you because in America, if you're just eating whatever, you're gonna eat tons of red meat. It's a it's a huge yeah. part of our American diet. Burgers. Yeah, I mean burgers. Burgers. Um, <laughs> burgers. Uh, well, I mean, burgers. You, I, I don't know if they if the if pork counted, but um, you know, bacon and eggs, sausage, pepperoni. I mean, steak. Yeah, there's there's meat. On in in most of our meals, chili, and it's more often than not either going to be um, red meat or chicken. And so, if you're not eating red meat, that means you're specifically avoiding something in your diet. And if you're specifically avoiding something in your diet, you're probably doing other lifestyle things to be healthy. You're way more yeah. likely to exercise if 
to be somebody who yep. exercises if you're actively controlling your diet. You're way yep. less oh, likely to be a cigarette smoker or to be a heavy drinker. Yeah. Another great example of this statistics thing is like, oh, if you floss, you will live longer. I've heard, I've literally heard that before. If you floss, you'll live longer. Yeah. It's like, are you sure about that? Or is it that the people who floss take better care of themselves yeah. and therefore live longer? Yeah. That sounds maybe a little bit more. I mean, of course, like, yeah, I'm sure some people get some crazy fucking mouth infection <laughs> when they're, you know, but because like, that's the, this is anomalies, right? It's like the people who are going to, they're going to take care, they take care of themselves better than people who don't floss. Like, it's just that, to me, it's that simple. And maybe there is some kind of causation there. Just but. got my teeth cleaned yesterday. Got these pearly whites looking sparkly. Um, yeah, and there's there's examples of this everywhere, and if you're somebody who's connected into the internet, you've almost certainly fallen prey to somebody telling you something and backing it up with some kind of study or some kind of statistics, and it really just being bullshit. And it's especially bad. I don't. I, I, I'm going to stay away from the politics uh, for the most part, but I will say that it's extremely prevalent in politics people are re mm. very opinionated in politics and the confirmation bias is rampant and there's really no easy answers in politics because the governance of millions of people is one of the most complex things imaginable so you can find information that will say whatever the fuck you wanted to say and I always try to tell people, I mean, you know me, Hank, I'm a super politically active person and, um, like, I, I pay a lot of attention, but I'm not, like, I'm not super, like, aggressively opinionated. And the reason is, is because I, over the course of my probably 15 years of, of being into politics, I've, I've been wrong so many fucking times. I'm like, my Overton window has shifted left and right in different ways, and my my opinions have changed tremendously over the years, and I've I've just been straight up wrong. I've argued wrong points. I have been I've embarrassed myself by. Um, typically, I, I I don't argue with people who aren't like my close friends, but. Um, I've embarrassed myself just with my own opinions. Like, I'm pretty sure this is true, and then looking it up, I'm I'm not so sure now. Yikes! <laughs> I was operating under false assumptions. Hmm. And so, like, if you're a very politically opinionated person, I would recommend that you dial it back a little bit because not only are you probably wrong about some of the things that you're opinionated about, it's just not very good for you to be super hyper opinionated about things. It causes stress, no, especially in politics, and I'm saying this as somebody who knows, because I am, I've, I've been here before a lot, like, you can just stress yourself the fuck out in that sort of thing. But with all that being said, I did want to bring up one thing that is ancillarily related to U.S. politics, um, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting the, um, whenever I heard this, because I, I listened to AM radio, believe it or not. <laughs> 
I, I wow. I know. How old are you? Eighty-seven. Um, but okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was wondering why I picked that number. It's because my AM radio station is eight seventy. Um, so it's a it's a <laughs> WWL out of New Orleans, and it's a talk radio station. And because it's an AM radio station, it's kind of, it's got like really old school talk radio and you're not gonna you're not gonna get like a rush limbaugh type or a sam cedar type or you know somebody who's like like extremely for our, far for our international listeners can you can you uh, uh rush limbaugh illuminate what kind of type that is i have a lot more respect for sam cedar than i do for rush limbaugh rush limbaugh was kind of a a monster of a person, but it, it, all I'm saying is that people who are on the extreme right or the extreme left of politics, um, right. Uh, so maybe maybe a better a better person would be like a Ben Shapiro or something like that. Like I, I don't think Ben Shapiro is a monster like <laughs> Limbaugh was, um, right. But you're not you're not going to see somebody like that who's like all the way over to one side. Um, because it's that, that old school AM radio talk style. And I really like to, to listen to these guys because they, they always have a, some nuance in their, in their views. So I spend a lot, uh, I don't spend a ton of time listening to them, but a lot sometimes I'll just not really feel like I mean it's what turns on in my truck when I first turn it on and if there's something interesting on I'll just leave it on but the reason I bring that up is that one of the guys on there is a, he's an ex-sheriff and he's been talking for a while about I mean he's he's very pro-police he's not he's not even like a hyper conservative but he's definitely a conservative type and he is extremely pro-police and he he's likes to talk a lot about crime. And New Orleans is having some issues with rising crime. And to hear this guy say it, you'd think that it was a fucking Mad Max wasteland where if you walk <laughs> down the street at night, you are fucked, my friend. I mean, and, he, and he'll, he'll use terms like, we need to, how can people fault us for caring about the safety of our community the safety of our family, of our children, of wanting our wives and kids to be able to walk down the street without getting mugged. It's just like, fuck, man. I guess I shouldn't go into New Orleans. Sounds like a war zone. I've been to New Orleans plenty of times, even recently. It's not a fucking war zone. You're not going to get mugged walking down mm. the street. Yeah, crime is on the rise there. <clears throat> it's not a precipitous rise. It's not some crazy thing. And probably yeah, has and it's to also do... like, you know, in certain areas, right? Like yes. in you know, in the in the fucking tourist spots, you're not gonna you're not gonna get mugged or like it's 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 probably well, yeah. But I I know what you mean. Like he's kind of so uh, d uh, doomsday yes. kind of thing. Well, so so and this is the thing. There's there's two things about this that I, that somewhat relate to U.S. politics. Um, you've probably heard a little bit about this, Hank, but there has been, since uh, the murder of George Floyd, there's been a, a push in America for rethinking how we do our policing. 
and a, a a slogan came up a little while back that, that they dropped because it was politically stupid as hell. Um, defund the police was the slogan. And the conservative side of America took that and ran with it. The Democrats, they want to defund the police. They want to abolish all police. And now there's a there's certain particular crime, high crime areas that are having like rising crime and specifically the homicide rate has gone up in america um went up in america last year but what these people don't like to mention because what they're saying is oh well this is what you get democrats this is what you get for rethinking the police if you don't have police out there killing black people on the street this is what you get rising homicides violent crime waves carjackings muggings well, what people don't like to talk about is the simple fact that and this, New Orleans is a perfect example of this. New Orleans is a tourist town, or not town, tourist city. It's a destination for people all over the world, very famous. The pandemic shut that shit down. They didn't have Mardi Gras last year, or this year. They haven't been able to have concerts. They haven't been able to have jazz things. They haven't been able to have any festivals. That is like the bread and butter of the New Orleans economy. So yeah. what causes crime to go up? Primarily poverty. What has caused, what has been going up since the pandemic started in America and everywhere? Poverty. Of course there's a fucking increase in crime. But here's the other thing that people don't like to say, because... If you look at news stories on this, they always use certain terms. The term is like violent crime, homicides, things like that. Because the real kicker is, is that across the United States, crime was down in 2020, just as it has been for decades. Crime has been going down for years and years, and 2020 was no exception to that, except for the homicide rate. It's the only thing that went up. And like I said, it wasn't some, like, insane, precipitous rise. It's not like people are getting murdered all over the place. You have a a mild rise in homicides, a decrease in every other type of crime, pretty much. And now, because it's a political narrative, it's being turned into this huge argument. And, I mean, all over the place, if you're engaged with U.S. politics, you're seeing stories about how to combat the crime wave. There's no fucking crime wave. It's just nonsense. It's clickbait, and it's a political tool. And this is exactly what I was talking about earlier with what is the intention behind these statistics that are being touted, Yeah. right? This is the perfect example. The intention behind these statistics is to... Push a narrative. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people actually try to say that it's because of the legalization of marijuana. I knew that was coming. My God. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I... Dude, okay. I, I literally can't even imagine somebody smoking a joint and then killing somebody i i like i cannot imagine that it's 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 completely outside of the realm of of my imagination and 
I have a pretty I have a pretty vivid imagination. <laughs> that is just like, dude, nobody does that. That's not a thing. Of course if other if other drugs are involved, stimulants and I mean that's bath the thing salts is if you, shit, like if you are if you do any kind of intoxicant, you're likely to do all you're more likely to do all the other intoxicants. If you drink, you're more likely to smoke. If you smoke and drink, you're more likely to do some other drugs. If you do some mm. other drugs, you're more likely to do the rest of the drugs. I mean, it's just like, yeah, like I, I, I've, I've always hated that, like, oh, he had marijuana in his system. The coroner's uh, found that he had marijuana in his system. That's probably and because cocaine the, and it's, bath yeah. salts and alcohol and heroin <laughs> and well, like, you see, all that stuff filters out in about a day. So, what they found yeah. was the marijuana in his system because that doesn't filter out for a couple of weeks, right? Because it like binds to the fat cells, yes. so it actually yes. like manages to stay in the system. Yes, he was high. He was high <laughs> on marijuana. Oh man! Uh, so yeah, he had reefer madness. Oh my god! Yeah, so these—that's actually a perfect thing. The bad statistical analysis and study methodology has been used to justify the war on drugs since the very beginning, and the reason why they changed over to numbers and bad studies and statistics is because originally it was about racism. <laughs> And you can actually find the original marijuana prohibition um, oh, where people so were bad. literally talking about black people and Mexicans and how they enjoyed marijuana and it turned them violent and they and and, and same they fucking took shit. The white women yeah, and same oh my god, fucking it's just shit, disgusting. Dude. Same shit, different day. That, that marijuana shit causes minorities sick. to do crime. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, so. You know, the, the the gist of this particular conversation, we can move on into the Pareto principle, is be careful with the data that you're ingesting and be careful with your opinions and always double check yourself because yeah, fucking check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, and this is a perfect time to remind everyone, we haven't done this in a while, but reminding everyone listening that like we have no idea what we're talking about. Like <laughs> we We're just a couple of guys. We, chatting. I mean, of course we Yeah, we we try to do our due diligence and you know, we're not trying to give give out falsehoods, but we are by no means the gatekeepers to truth. We are definitely our intention, like, I think a big difference with us versus a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about is our intention is to start a conversation and yeah. to understand more about ourselves and about each other and about the state of affairs going on in the world. But we are, I know we've said stuff that's wrong oh, on yeah. this show. Oh, yeah. I just know it. It's Nobody's called us out yet, so... People are just taking our word I've for it. I've seen a couple of things. And it's like, you I've know, gone back and listened to a couple of things where I was like, oh, fuck, I meant to say this. But yeah, exactly. it's never intentional. We don't intentionally mislead people. Yeah, and, and as so basically, you know, to wrap this segment up here, 80% of all statistics are made up on the spot. That's right, including that one. 
Yes. Well, actually, it wasn't made up on the spot because I stole that from Anchorman. <laughs> I think it was a different number, but uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. I thought that okay, was 60% so... of the time. It works every time. Yeah, that was also an Anchorman. Maybe it was actually just, maybe it wasn't Anchorman, but it was actually just Will Ferrell saying that. I got a clip of him saying. Yeah, sounds like you I'm just sure made you the Anchorman up. thing up on the spot. Could be. Could be. Could be. I think I think we're just making so, all this up on the spot. I'm starting to I'm starting to get a little suspicious. I mean, that's basically what this whole fucking podcast is. <laughs> uh, no, but sometimes we sometimes we do our research a little bit. I mean, I always do and, a little and, you know, bit this, of research and reading, get my brain primed yeah. for the conversation. Yeah, I I usually do that as well. Um, but for this one, I didn't even need to do any reading on it because it's so. It's such a like foundational concept that I find to be extremely valuable in in a I mean pick your pick your area pick your field this this principle is somehow related it doesn't matter what your interests are and these are the kind of things that I love exploring is like this is a principle that it affects everything it's it's a yeah like i said before it's it's kind of a rule of thumb but uh some people may know it as as the 80 20 rule which is essentially and again this is a rule of thumb this isn't everything all the time always this is like systems tend towards this 80 20 rule which is where 20% it's essentially 20% of the of the causes result in 80% of the effects. That makes sense. So perfect example, if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're running a, a business, if you, if you do a study on your revenue, and again, this is a general rule, it's always gonna be you know, more or less, but it's, it's a really good, really solid general rule. You will find that 20% of your customers are yielding 80% of the revenue. And this, it sounds like, at first, when you first hear that, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's an interesting idea. But, like, why does that matter? It's super fucking important because, like, what that means is you should absolutely be putting the majority of your effort into those 20% customers like a lot of people are are spreading themselves thin trying to fucking do everything for everyone but it's like no you focus in on those 20 percent of customers that are giving you 80 percent of your revenue and make sure that they're happy and they keep coming back and like that's a it's a recipe for success you're gonna you're gonna do well if you're catering to to your best customers it's like super obvious so you do customer customer segmentation this is like a really common practice you find those 20% to segment the customers and find, oh, okay, well, actually, these five customers are yielding 80% of our revenue. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should have somebody dedicated to, like, working specifically with, you know, with that company and making sure that they're satisfied. And Mobile game um, developers and figured out this rule long ago and have been using it to capture what they call whales for a while 
I don't know if you've ever heard yep. of that term, but a whale mm-hmm. is a, um, I don't think it's just, it's only applied to the app industry, but it's basically, you think about it as like a customer who's going to give you uh, the equivalent of hundreds of other customers or many, many other customers. And the mobile game industry is primarily propped up on whales because they put in these addictive triggers into the games where most people will just ignore it. You know, Farmville or um, I think it was Township or something like that. I tried a little while back. They, they put in, like, time constraints where if you're a normal person, you want to play the game, you you do an action in the game that it'll take, like, 12 hours to complete or something like that. But if you yeah. pay a little money, you can complete it now and continue playing the game. But that's the whole point of the game. You're just building shit and waiting for it to build. Yeah. And every now and then, they'll find somebody who's a, who gets addicted to their trigger and we'll pay them $1,000 for the game over the course of them playing it over, you know, a few years. And that's the entire business model of mobile gaming. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's also, you know, it goes beyond... So we, we've been talking about this from, like, a financial perspective, right? From a business perspective. But it also, it's like, it's, you can take this with almost anything. Like... Um, 80% of your pain and suffering come from 20% of your activities, <laughs> right? Or 20% There's of certain the activities that you do. So. Yeah, or whatever. But like in terms of the stuff that we can control, it's like there's like a few things that we do to ourselves that make us suffer. And that is the shit that uh, whatever it is, if it's, um, you know, um, sitting on social media for hours and hours, or if it's um, turning on the news, or if it's... The Buddha would say it's 100% um, from desire and aversion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but the, but just, those I'm, are... I just, I'm making maybe, a bad joke. I don't think the Buddha I mean, heard of the Pareto Principle. I don't think so He might have come up with it, but, actually. <laughs> I, I heard that. actually some Italian guy. Oh, Pareto. That was his name. Well, I mean, reincarnation's a thing. Still could have been him. <laughs> Nate, are you just, you're just trying to derail I'm us, just, aren't I'm just you? trying you're to just, derail you. Just go... <laughs> um, but yeah, the point is, is like it, it can, it affects many different areas of life. You can, you can use it as a tool to understand many different systems and and to figure out like what should i be focusing on here like i think that's really the value of this you know um is what's the 20 percent and and again like in terms of your effort if you're really intelligent about where you put in your effort on a project you'll find that 20 percent of your effort will yield 80 percent of the results and if you try to get to 90%, uh, 95%, maybe that's 50% of the effort, right? Mm-hmm. But then to get to 100% is that the rest. So it's like, so you, there's this point of diminishing returns where you find like, once you get it to 95, 
to get that last 2%, you have to double what you've already put in. And it's like, that's not worth it. That's not worth it. I actually have a perfect example of this. It's from exercise. So if, uh, if any of you listeners out there have ever gotten into the, the gym scene, I've been lifting weights since I was 12 years old. Just got back into it after a two-year hiatus from a hernia. And I, I used to be super into, like, supplements. I never did steroids, but I, I do know a lot about it. I looked into it, and it, I decided not to do it because of various health issues that I have. But um, I learned a good bit about it, learned a lot about supplements, learned a lot about different exercise techniques, did a ton of work, put in a ton of effort, and yeah, what I've what I've started to explain to people, because people will come to me with like all these different like, yeah, I'm I'm doing fucking three protein shakes a day, I'm taking shitloads of creatine, and I'm doing pre workout and all this different stuff, and uh, what you're saying applies really really well to exercise, because if you're going in there and you're working hard, like you're, you're actually genuinely exercising for 30 to 45 minutes four times a week, that's your 80% right there. Yep. Boom. You've got your 80%. Boom. You want to get to 100%, you're going to have to up that to six times a week. You're going to have to do all kinds of different training regimens. You're probably going to have to hire a professional. You're going to have to take supplements. You're going to have to extremely heavily control your diet all that stuff. But the vast majority is just going to be those four or five times you get into the gym and work it for 45 minutes. That will get you 80% of what you can get out of exercise as far as like health benefits go. A lot of people, that doesn't get into quite uh, like the psychological effects because a lot of people, you know, that's me included. This is kind of how I used to see it. It almost gets to the point where it's like an art form where you're like trying to sculpt your body and you know you're you're it it like it fulfills you on a deeper level but if you're just talking about like the physical health benefits or just general mental health benefits it, it doesn't take all that work you don't have to do all these fancy supplements and drill yourself into the ground all you gotta do is go in there and do 45 minutes for four days a week. That's all you got to do. And and really work it. I mean, as long as those 45 minutes are 45 good, strong, productive minutes, that's all you got to do. And that will get you the vast majority of what you'll get out of exercise. Yep. And then also, just to, just to give some more examples, it's like, um, it's also 20% of the exercises. Yeah will give you 80% of what you need. You don't need to know thousands of different exercises no. and do all the machines and shit. It's like you do fucking, you do squats, you do lunges, you do pull-ups, you do push-ups, bench dips. Bench or push-ups or dips. And it's like- You can pretty much do them all on body four, weight. Yeah, you can do, absolutely, you can do it all with calisthenics. And then there's different progressions and stuff to make each of those more difficult. Yeah. But like, that's- People, of course, there's cool exercises. It's good to mix it up and do different yeah. things. But like, 
those that's the 20 that's like the 80 20 right if you if you want to because a lot of people i think a lot of people and this is with anything and oh man there's so many different examples of this like uh if you want to be skilled in anything focus on the 20 percent fundamental the fundamental shit yeah if you want to be a skilled musician like just focus on the basic like rhythm like get your groove down that's if what you i was actually groove, gonna mention is music because i've been i've been in the beginning yeah. stage lately exactly if you have a good groove that's such a if you have a good groove you can make music but then obviously the other like foundational stuff is like harmony and melody if you if you if you focus on those things you can be an amazing musician and and of, but there's a million different things that you can think about and focus on and like this is actually kind and of I mean, funny of course sorry go on go ahead so i saw this commercial i told you about this off of the cast but i saw this commercial since i've been learning how to play the piano and the algorithms they uh, they found me i've been getting tons of like like, I swear I, I got a new a new person every fucking time I go on YouTube saying, uh, uh, p- teach piano to have a class, an online learning thing. You can learn piano super quick. And, you know, people just, just I don't want to call them charlatans. I'm sure some of them are, but they all seem to be pretty darn good musicians. And, you know, they're, they're trying to make a living. But um, one dude, actually, he, he used... Um, he kind of freaked people, or he was trying to freak people out who didn't use this principle. And what he did was he had a big whiteboard, and he had like a T-chart set up. And on one side it said um, scales, and one side it said chords. And he starts going... If you uh, if you go to most music teachers, they're going to tell you that you need to learn, and then he he does a time lapse of like writing down like every possible chord, like all these weird, out there confusing chords that usually aren't aren't used very much in most. Yeah, it's more like jazz voicings and stuff. You have like the. Flat five, sharp eleven. Yeah, stuff yeah, and he and he, like, he wrote down like thirty, thirty things on this whiteboard, and then he goes over to scales, and he's like, and then you're gonna also gonna have to learn, and then he writes down every possible scale, and then he goes, and then you're gonna have to learn that for all eight notes in the octave. And if you looked at his chart, you could see that a very small portion of what he wrote down is actually what you would need to learn out of these two things. Like he's, I, I think probably even less mm. than 20%. Probably 20%. Yeah, probably. yeah maybe less. Because <laughs> he's, he's intentionally trying to make it seem more complicated yeah. than it actually is. Yeah, and when you, like, thankfully I have I have Hank here to teach me the, the real truth. Um, but yeah, one of the things he told me was just like, just remember the the whole whole half whole 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 half drill that into your head because that's the major scale interval progression it's the intervals between each note in the major scale yeah yeah and 
which is basically the found like it's basically yeah, it's the foundation I mean, of you Western can think about music it in different ways melody but it's essentially yeah it's essentially the foundation of harmony in western western music yeah and you can also think about it as the minor scale is because they're inextricably linked but that's a that's a yin yang conversation for another, <laughs> yeah. another day yeah well you you did you showed me the the major and the minor intervals and yeah that particular thing I could practice for the rest of my life and get extremely good at. And if I was a, an extreme expert in, you know, the major and minor scales and the chords associated with those, I could play most music, the most Western music. Definitely. Probably 80%. <laughs> yeah, and you could so, yeah. easily, Pro- maybe even more, but maybe like at more. least 80%. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like that that 80 20 idea yeah i think we i think we gave enough examples like now it's it's up to you as the the listener to to find areas that you can implement this idea and see yeah like i i would just recommend using it as a tool to figure out what's important what should i focus on here because there's so much noise there's so much crap yeah um there's so much competing for our attention that i think it's important that we that we decide and are intentional about how we use our intention or our attention and how we use our our hours in the day yeah because 20% of the stuff that you're doing is probably causing 80% of your happiness. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Not, yeah, I mean, that's when, that's the case as well, When you right? take work into account, probably. <laughs> I'm going for... I'm going for... 100%... Of everything I ever do is causing a hundred percent of my enjoyment of life, but that's uh, uh that's I, I'm cool with eighty. I'm cool with eighty <laughs> percent. That's way too much work to get up to a hundred percent. That's true. Mm. Well, we've got a little bit more time here, so we got one last little little segment that we wanted to wanted to hop in with um we'll keep this one a little little more brief um so you wanted to talk about first principles thinking a little bit correct yeah i was i was thinking about just saving that for another time because it's kind of heavy yeah um but yeah i mean i'm i'm i actually feel pretty I feel like this could be a good place to stop, but if you, That's if fine. you have anything think, else you uh, want to... I think we're good, man. I think we're good. I think this is Okay, was a cool. Yeah, we can save first convo. principles for another time. Yeah. Because I think it's uh, it requires, at least for me, uh, it requires some freshness a little to more setup really time. dive into. Yeah, I get you. All right, well, we're going to end it there, folks. Thanks for dropping by. We love you. Catch you next time. There you have it, everyone. 
another fine episode of Casual Cognition. A little shorter one today, but I had to get going to work, and we felt it was a nice stopping point. So, we hope you enjoyed the show, we hope you're doing well out there, and we will see you next time. <laughs>